Well, good morning. We're on uh, spiritual disciplines track this morning. Um, I always like to do a quick kind of reminder of where we've been and what we're doing. Um, So as a reminder, we know that as Christians, God has predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. Um, That's in Romans 8.29. And ultimately, this happens. uh, It'll be fulfilled when he returns again. Um, 1 John 3.2 says, We shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. What an amazing day that'll be. But until that day, God intends for us to grow in Christ-likeness. And so, therefore, we don't want to wait for that holiness that we'll get completely on that day. Um, We want to pursue it on this day. And he gives us, through the Holy Spirit, this holy hunger uh, for that and to satisfy that. He calls us in 1 Timothy 4, 7 to have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths, but rather to train ourselves for godliness. And so spiritual disciplines, as we've been considering them, uh, and this is on your handout there, um, are those practices found in Scripture which promote growth. They promote godliness among believers in the gospel of Jesus Christ while we wait for his return. So last week I wasn't here, but I got an opportunity to listen to it. Ben Robin did a really good job uh, talking us through the discipline of reading. And when he opened, if you were here or listened to it, he mused that you may have been surprised that reading was a spiritual discipline because it seems pretty obvious. Um, And I have to admit, I I think I'm feeling more so this week. If you're sitting here going, really, we're going to sit here and talk about a spiritual discipline of learning. Um, however, after studying the topic this last week or two, um, I, think it's, I think it's really appropriate, and it's really been healthy for me to consider my life and how I've approached seasons and times. Um, I wonder, though, if, uh, as we were talking before we opened, if, if maybe this lesson, if the church taught this class again, would be better earlier? Um, perhaps. So as we go through it, if you have any thoughts to that, just... Feel free to email me. Uh, my name and uh, email's in the directory, uh, or let me know afterwards what you think. But nonetheless, trusting in God's providence for where we are today, teaching this this lesson, um, and in light of the stuff we've previously covered, we've covered uh, an intro. We've covered two lessons on Bible intake, taking in the Word of God, so reading the Word of God, uh, fasting. Uh, We've talked about prayer for two lessons. We've talked through worship as a discipline, uh, silence and solitude, and as I said last week, um, reading. So I think uh, it fits uniquely as a reminder to uh, the motivation of our goal, uh, which is consider those practices found in Scripture which promote growth in godliness. Uh, And so today, what we're really considering is the discipline, uh, the lifelong posture of learning, or said in another way, I guess, the resolve to be a lifelong learner. Uh, So if you look at your handout, um, how I intend to to do that today is first I want to kind of take a step backwards and look at and try to convince you of the importance of learning. Uh, And then I want to transition in our second point um, into how in the Bible we see that learning characterizes the wise person. It characterizes the wise person. And then with those two points serving as, I hope, our motivation for learning as a spiritual discipline, I, I really want to just spend some time discussing some overarching, albeit broad, 
principles to consider in helping us develop this discipline, um, whether we've been stronger at it in the past um, or we're strong at it now. Uh, I'd love to hear, as I mentioned to some of you earlier, some examples any as we go through it. So uh, that'll, that'll be the more primary time for uh, dialogue and interaction, I'll, but you're free to ask questions whenever, and I'll ask you if you have any as we go. So, um, so diving in then, um, point one, the importance of learning or the resolve to sit at the master's feet. Uh, and I want to do this this morning by doing a little brief Bible study on Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, and our focus is going to be, as you're turning there, if you have a Bible on verses uh, 20 through 24. So Ephesians 4, 20 through 24. But I'm going to start reading it in verse 17. So Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 24. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So taking that whole passage in, I want to jump into the middle. So take a look at verse 20. So look at the first word in verse 20, but. So there, there are those words in scripture that if we think about them really are a transition. So that single word, but, calls attention to the distinction that we draw, right? Between non-Christians, some of which is described, their characteristics in verses 17 through 19. So that distinction between non-Christians and Christians. So as Christians, we're not to walk as the Gentiles do. And if we're a Christian, there should be a clear distinction then between us and the world. Uh, And I think this is a stark and necessary, and I don't think it's an overstated distinction, although the world would like to draw us into its web um, where we don't see ourselves as as distinct. Um, However, we should be very distinct from non-Christians. And then if we look at the rest of verse 20... Um, what is the means? What is the means of that distinction? What is, the, what is the basic cause? What initiated that distinction? If you just look at verse 20. Looking for one word. Christ. Think about the verb. I learned. Right? We learned Christ. So the means of our distinction from the world, the world of non-believers, is something most fundamentally that we learn. Okay? And then what, already answered, what, or should I say who, have we learned? We've learned Christ. So not so much a fact as a face, a person. So thus our learning Christ, our conversion, would be the church word, 
is the first essential, right? It takes conversion, takes us off the road of life and completely changes how we travel the rest of our life. So again, we're not so much concerned with, with facts of learning as we are with a person, the Son of God. Uh, and at the end of verse 21, we see reinforced, again, that the truth is in Jesus. The truth is Jesus. He is the, the way, the truth, and the life. So the focal point, right, the central point of our intention and interest for our learning is the person and work of Jesus. Um, Colossians 1, 15 through 19 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. So when we think about learning, we have to realize that we first learned Christ. So Charles Spurgeon, in his sermon uh, titled True Learning, said of this, Conversion is like the turning of the helm which makes the boat head in a new direction. But conversion, of course, is not everything. It's necessary. It's the first, first necessary act. It's not everything, though. If we look at the rest of that uh, section in Ephesians, uh, verses 22 to 24, he says we have to then put off our old self, which belongs to the former matter, right, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to put on the new self, created in the likeness of of God and true righteousness and holiness. And then, so Spurgeon would continue on that section. Then after conversion, he says, after the boat is turned, it has to be rowed or else it will drift down the stream. So if a man becomes Christ's disciple by conversion, he must remain Christ's disciple throughout the rest of his life by sitting at his master's feet and receiving instruction from him. For it is only as we are taught of God that we should be able to keep up the high spiritual distinction between ourselves and the rest of mankind. We are under the tutorship of the Holy Spirit. He has taken us into his school. He has taught us something already, but he is teaching us more now, and he will keep on teaching us more and more till we shall know even as we are known. So as I've had time to think about this lesson. Um, I, think, I think that brief little study of those eight verses really is our motivation um, and for considering the idea of uh, lifelong learning as a spiritual discipline. I think it, I think it anchors us into saying that, that that makes sense, right? So I hope, I hope you see that. So to be in, in order to be conformed to the image of Christ as a primary means of training ourselves for godliness, we must find every way possible to sit at the master's feet and receive instruction, to learn. And so God must first speak to us through conversion, and then afterwards we must sit with him and abide with him. And this can't be something we only do in the zeal of our first few years as a Christian. And I think as I look back at my zeal as an early believer, I can almost see this pattern where I'm just soaking up as much as I can and then life gets busy, and I, 
in some way think that that's going to propel me forward into spiritual uh, growth, godliness, and holiness, right? Um, but we have to develop the pattern, the discipline of learning. Um, there are many things we can do as a discipline to help us towards godliness, but at the heart of them, I mean, we've, we've covered, we're going to read our Bible, we're going to uh, worship, we're going to pray, right? But at the heart of all of them, I think, is this idea of sitting at the master's feet constantly, the resolve to put ourselves in a place that allows us to hear, to see, to think, um, to process. Um, and I think most fundamentally, that's at the, at the root of all of the disciplines that we've looked at. So any thoughts on, on that so far? If not, we will, Josh. I was just going to say, I think it's a real, um, real opportunity to exercise humility and understanding that, that you know, God is incomprehensible and God's word is inexhaustible. Yeah. And so for us to assume that as Christians, we don't need to continue learning or, or seeking to understand more about who he is, is, uh, is a bit prideful. Um, but it does show Absolutely. Yeah, battling the pride, keeping that humble heart. That, and we're going to talk a little bit about more of that in just a little bit. So. Um, but let's move on to the second point then. Um, the, that learning characterizes the wise person. Um, you'll see a list of verses there, and I'll, I'll call out here and there and uh, ask one of you all to read one of those. Um, so if you look at the meaning of being a disciple, right, it we're going to find that it means not only that you're a follower, but that, that you're a learner. Um, and this is important because um, part of that humility Josh was talking about was age, <laughs> as much as I like it, would, I would like it to be. Age doesn't guarantee wisdom, right? Um, wisdom doesn't automatically come with gray hair. Um, godliness isn't indicated by glasses or my failing health or you know, the aches and pains that I have uh, as much as I wish it was. Job 32, verses 8 and 9 says, It is the spirit in a man, the breath of the Almighty, that makes him understand. It is not the old who are wise, nor the aged to understand what is right. And then in Matthew eleven twenty-five, we hear Jesus thanking the Father that he has hidden these things, but yet he's revealed them to little children. So we have to be careful. Age should make us smarter. It should make us more knowledgeable and understand. Uh, and that should produce godliness. But I think, well, if I looked in the mirror this morning or we think of uh, other elderly people we may know, there, there are times that we only see irritability, maybe stubbornness, um, someone entrenched in their ways um, and their views. Uh, and so I'd say, no, we really need to think about that and consider ourselves to be lifelong learners instead. Um, the two books that have kind of anchored us in this study are uh, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Don Whitney, excellent book, and The Habits of Grace by David Mathis. And uh, David Mathis in his book, Habits of Grace here, says, the Christian faith is not a finite course of study at the front end of our adulthood. Our mindset shouldn't be to 
first do our learning and then spend the rest of our lives drawing from that original deposit of knowledge. Rather, the ongoing health of Christian life is inextricably linked to ongoing learning. So as we jump into these verses here, um, I'll ask for some help. So um, Proverbs 9, 9. Great, please. Give instruction to a wise man, he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, he will increase in learning. Exactly. And I'm going to repeat these just for the audio. Give instruction to the wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. Proverbs 1, 5. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. Let the, the, one, and the sorry. one who understands obtain guidance. Yep, let the wise hear and increase in learning. Um, Proverbs 10, 14, just the first part, 14a, and then 17a, just the first part. The wise lay up knowledge, and whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life. The wise lay up knowledge. Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life. That, that word lay up there is, is really the... To store up like a treasure, right? So whoever treasures and stores up knowledge. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Matthew eleven twenty nine says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So just think of that. Have you have you learned? Like have we learned that wonderful truth? Um James Smith, on a book he wrote, uh, The Road with St. Augustine, says there's a burden, a yoke. There's a burden, a yoke we can put on that actually takes off weight. Right? A yoke that liberates us. Augustine said every other burden oppresses you and feels heavy, but Christ's burden lifts you up. Any other burden is crushing weight, but Christ's burden has wings. Do I live my life embracing that? Do I trust that? So who can read Proverbs 18.15 for me? An intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. An intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. So it's, it's not only that we acquire knowledge, it's that we live a pattern of life where we seek it. So just because we seek it doesn't mean we're necessarily going to find it, but but that we're seeking it, right? Do we lay up worldly knowledge while ignoring that the truth that is in Jesus? Um, we are to pursue godliness, and the only place that can be found is in Christ. We've covered that in Ephesians 4, in the life, everything about Christ, in his life, his birth, his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, his current reign, every single bit of it is where we find holiness. It's where we find the path to godliness. Um, and how about Proverbs 23, 12? Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge. Apply your heart to instruction and your ear to words of knowledge. So in, in this Spiritual Disciplines book, Don Whitney um, says of this, no matter how much previous instruction you have received, or how extensive your knowledge, especially about God, Christ, the Bible, the Christian life, and regardless of how intelligent or slow you consider yourself, you still need to apply your heart and ears to learn. 
for we haven't learned it all. And as, as, as Josh alluded to earlier, the truly wise are humble because they know they still have so much to learn. In John 21, 25, now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So what we have is more than enough for an entire lifetime. So in a, in a way, a kindness that he didn't give us so much more because it would be a lot. Um, Christians must realize that just as a fire cannot blaze without fuel, so burning hearts are not kindled by brainless heads. That's a quote from the book as well. Burnless hearts or burning hearts are not kindled by brainless heads. We must not content ourselves, if we are to be wise, to be like those the Bible condemns as having a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. So I'll pose again that lifelong learning is a discipline that should characterize us and will lead us to be wise. A wise person is a learning person and will produce godliness because of where we find truth that leads to the wisdom. And the Proverbs 9.10, where we find wisdom is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So as we move on to section 3, the little more practical side of the lesson. Um, I want to ask a tough question, and I... It's not a tough question. It's just kind of a hard question for me to make a sentence to try to get you to think what I want you to think. But it's on your hand out there. So if we're not trying to learn, like if we don't establish a pattern of learning, then how do we learn? Think, think about yourself. Haphazardly. Haphazardly. Okay. Josh? How did Pastor say that we, we learn through one of two ways, either through obedience or through experience? Right? So either we, we apply ourselves or the will learn something somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Haphazardly, by experience somehow. Other hands I saw. The chastening of God. Chastening of God. Okay. Other people teaching to us. I think those are all good. Um, I think we may hear a Bible fact from someone. Sorry, did you have? Sorry, I thought I saw a hand going. Um, we may hear a Bible fact from someone over the radio. We may profit from that, right? Um, we may have a brief interest in something. We may search casually for it in a book or, um, or the wonderfully discerning internet or on social media, even TV, right? We can, we can turn to media and be spoon-fed by people who seem intelligent or at least look sharp. Um, we find ourselves in the same environment for a long enough period that we just pick it up. I, I, I think secularly in my work, very technical, there are things that I just don't seem to have ever learned. Like anybody that understands decibels, Come give me another lesson on decibels, but it, it's only like after a year of attending regular meetings that I go, oh, I learned that again. And then a year later when I haven't attended the meeting, I've forgotten it. So have I truly learned it? But, but I think we find ourselves in those places where we, 
just over time pick stuff up. Um, but the bottom line here, what I'm trying to get at, and I think haphazardly was an excellent way to put it, right? Uh, unless we're trying to learn, unless we're putting together the practice and discipline of learning, we're only going to acquire specifically biblical and spiritual knowledge by accident or convenience or in a haphazard way. Um, so, so through disciplined moving or learning, we're going to move from being an accidental learner to an intentional learner. And I think that's a, that's a really important point for us to consider. Um, as, you know, consider yourself right now. Where, where are you? Are you in a pattern of more accidental learning? Um, I understand those happen for sure. Um, but um, but let's, let's move into that kind of the last section here, and hopefully this will generate some more discussion as well. But just um, this is the hard part of the lesson for me because in, in a lot of other, you know, equipping hours, Sunday school classes, it's super biblically focused, and we can pick stuff out. And I actually went to as many secular websites, you know, what are the basic principles of learning? Like, what are the barriers for learning? And, and it, it is interesting how the, the patterns in even those academic articles are, are valid. They are, they are the expression, the experience of, of our lives, really. Uh, and I think the Bible has a lot to say about those responses and a better answer, a better solution to those. Um, but I'm going to use, so if, if you've read these books, I'm just going to use the, kind of the categories that... Um, Whitney and Mathis kind of go through to help us talk. So I'd love, again, as we go through these four, for your inputs. Um, and so these are broad principles to develop a pattern of lifelong learning. Um, so first one is vary your sources of information. So certainly we want to read our Bibles. We've had two lessons on Bible intake already. Um, and there's, there's the blessing of so many good books throughout history that are out there. Um, and that was discussed in the reading class last week. And I'll tell you, if you, if you haven't listened to that class, Ben did a great job. Uh, and it's on the church, uh, his website and the podcast. Um, and I'd stress reading a lot more. But Ben did that last week. And so he's going to, you can listen to him recorded and it'll be better than anything I could have said. Um, but I can't stress enough. So read, right? vary your sources. Um, we can take classes. I mean, this is considered a class. Uh, there's other formal courses. Um, and I think one of the things that can benefit us is uh, just by allowing interaction with others, right? You can, you can listen and engage with other people's questions. Um, and, it, and it does, and I'm really weak at this. It keeps us in the practice of focusing on something specific. Like if, you, if you're going to take a class and attend a class, there's, you know, if it's more formal, there's homework. But it, it does narrow you in for a period of time. Uh, on more specifics. Uh, we can watch educational videos. Um, sometimes, I mean, honestly, sometimes videos, as much as we want to knock like running to the internet or a video, sometimes just the way that they can be put together and presented, like with voice and pictures and, you know, cartoons and when they fast forward the person drawing some concept, I, I mean, those can be really helpful to help us visualize and understand things uh, if we want to help, help keep a focus as well. Um, there's previous conferences when we think of videos. Um, I've been blessed by a variety of Gospel Coalition, Together for the Gospel, the Cross Conferences on Missions. Um, there's a myriad of pastors conferences out there that you can find online. Uh, and so there's just there's a ton of resources that are out there. And a lot of bad ones too. So you got to be discerning. Um, uh, 
I don't think we should underestimate listening to recorded audio. Um, I mean, DRBC's podcasts, uh, the church's, I mean, Garrett's Bible boot camp, they're all available. Um, Tuesday, Thursday, Bible studies. Um, I personally like the Martin Lloyd-Jones app. Uh, it's got you know, a ton of his audios. I think I, I spent a year with Martin Lloyd-Jones driving to work a couple of years ago. I just said, that's what I'm going to do. Um, just I listened to, I don't know, 100 sermons from Martin Lloyd-Jones. Uh, Desiring God, the, the Bible Talk podcast. There's, there's a ton of stuff out there. There's, there's almost too much, right? And so I think we can, we can pick, pick too much at times. Um, we can use reliable ministries through their media and websites. Um, I've been super helped by a website called SpurgeonGems.org. Um, it's got tons of PDFs. It's got literally an index from topic to verses in the Bible of any sermon he's preached, and, and then a one-button link to that to that sermon. So, oftentimes I'll I'll print those out and just use them in my devotions. And then I think this is one I personally like to be more diligent with, uh, and that's dialogue, having conversations with people of uh, maybe a different background, uh, their conversion story is just dramatically different than ours, they come from a different culture. Um, Don Whitney says, plan for meaningful dialogue. We have to, to make a plan for having meaningful dialogue with people. Um, he says to think beforehand about questions. Um, I tried to find them, but they're in a book. And no one, had, I guess, has wanted to plagiarize on a website what, what his questions are. But he says he has like a, a list and a running tally of great questions he keeps. And so he can, you know, before, before as he plans out this dialogue he's going to have, he kind of has a series of questions in mind that he could ask to, to further the conversation down a path of learning so that both, both people or whoever's in attendance can grow. And then we can collect those questions over time. Um, we could talk to someone at the right time whose faith has been on display through trials and suffering. Um, wonderful opportunities. Um, so any other sources? Like, again, with, with just the idea of varying the sources, um, does anybody uh, have anything else or feel like they've been in a rut or been helped by anything in particular as you think about it? Kids, feel free to pipe in because I'm old and you are much more connected to the newer things that are out there. You have a question. Excellent. So as we, as we consider varying our sources, what, what advice would you give to us as we think about where we should go for those sources? So there's a lot of different I might point that question back to the elder, but um, <laughs> the, um, um, I, I mean, in my own walk, it, it started with people, like people whose lives I was able to watch. And then when I asked them and they suggested things back to me, I had a, a certain level of trust. And then I certainly, I think we're responsible for our own discernment as we read and go through things. But, but that's kind of where I started. And then it, it kind of 
just leapfrog from there to a variety of sources, whether it be books or reading. Um, but I think there's certainly, first and foremost, the individual call for us to, to be smart and discerning. But um, I mean, we're blessed at this church with wonderful elders uh, and other wise folks in the church. So I think being vulnerable and humble and opening yourself up to ask someone questions, um, I think in many ways, um, the, the elders, the staff pastors especially, like, are they're, they're blessed that their job is to immerse themselves in God in a way that not only grows their own godliness but facilitates our godliness. So I would certainly use, I, I think they're all willing to get an email and say, hey, I'm looking for a book on or I want to read something on. Do you have any initial suggestions? Um, would be a great place to start. And then I, one caution might be, I, I mean, there's, there's the old adage that for every one or two new books you read, make sure you read a really old book because time tests these things and books that have been around for 100, 200, 700 years are, you know, the writings are probably trustworthy. So any other thoughts yourself? Yeah, I think, I think it was a really good, um, yeah, I think there's Yeah, and I'm sorry, I didn't really touch on that part of your question. Um, but even as I think about that more, like I, the times I've been able to sit in on a, or when we Zoomed the Tuesday, Thursday morning Bible studies, or at Capitol Hill, their Wednesday night, kind of that inductive Bible study, you're placing yourself there, so it's not so haphazard. But in that format of Bible study, you do pick up this, how you ask questions as you read. Uh, and so I think that can be helpful. But I would say, as much as we need to learn, we also need to know ourselves. I, I've picked up books before, and like, the author uses swearing, and I just I don't I don't see a point in that. I closed it and got rid of the book. Or you know, if you're reading something else uh, for breadth, and it it leads to a temptation, or I, I mean, you need yeah, stop, don't. Don't put yourself in that position. So I think you have to be very careful and very discerning but, uh, and be open. So thank you for all that. Um, kind of alongside of varying your uh, sources is just understand uh, and consider the seasons of your life and maybe how those sources have to change during different seasons. So if you're in college or, or 
or, or high school or seminary or any other concentrated time of academic study, we all know there's a school year. And during that school year, you, you probably don't you know, pick up the giant commentary and say, I'm gonna muscle my way through this while I'm taking you know, pre-calc or physics or some other writing class or you know, whatever the case might be. It, there's a wisdom to, to knowing what you can do during that time. I mean, did you just get or get rid of a long commute? How, does, how might that change what you could take in? Um, what kind of job do you have? Is multitasking allowed? Some, some younger people get a job sitting at a desk. It's a wonderful job. They're able to study while they sit there and wait for the phone to ring. I mean, I don't know how many people have that kind of job in D.C., but, uh, but there are times and seasons in life where maybe uh, what you're doing is uh, you're able to multitask. Um, how do you use your break time? How do you use your lunch time? Right? Um, are your children young teens or older? How can you use their, the, you know, maybe your homeschooling? How do you use this very school that you're giving to your children to facilitate learning uh, about Christ, about the gospel first and foremost, um, and about living a, a godly and holy, holy wife. And um, I'm actually really, my kids are in this room, but I'm, I'm very weak at like, taking the stuff they're studying and figuring out how to ask good questions, get them to learn. But the Lord has blessed me with a, a wonderful wife who's really, really good at, at doing that. And I've benefited from that by just listening. Um, individual trials and seasons of suffering they'll they'll change our ability to to take in it may just be then in small chunks but boy those small chunks are sweet during those times of trials and suffering Um, and then we have to ask ourselves do we actually you know we we hope that the knowledge as proverbs said that we've acquired will be the treasure for us during those times but do we stop seeking during those times because we're to acquire and to seek. Um, do you, I travel a lot. Do you travel a lot? I mean, I, I get convicted of how I need to redeem my airline time and my hotel time. Yeah, it just gets boring, but there's, there's a lot of time there. So those are just some other, other thoughts. Happy for any individual uh, lessons or experiences on different seasons. I know we feel like we're just in a super busy season right now, and so I feel like I'm in much more of a, utilize my drive time, make sure my short devotion times are, you know, something I can chew on for the rest of the day. Were you going to say something? Okay. Great. Um, thirdly, create space and redeem spare time. Um, create windows for learning. It, it's, I think we've probably experienced this. It's very much in the secular articles that I referenced, like break your learning into chunks. This can be super helpful. 20 to 30 minutes, right? If you're going to water your lawn for 90 minutes a week, is it, is it better to water it once for 90 minutes or three times for 30 minutes? It may depend on where you live. But, but the point being, it, you know, breaking it up so it's soaking in uh, and you give it time to soak in is, is super important. So I think it'll depend on, on that, but creating space or redeeming spare time. Um, any other ideas? I know... I know that we have four daughters, one tiny bathroom for them to share. But in the shower, they, they put in like clear slip sleeves, the Bible verses they're trying to memorize. And I've thought, that's a lot of hot water going down the drain <laughs> while they're standing in there. But they're learning something. So maybe that's, maybe that's not such a bad thing. So, any other thoughts or little weird habits you might have? I don't want to say weird because then you won't want to 
admit to them, but share with us, please. If it comes to you, please interrupt me. Um, this next one's maybe a little harder for some of us to hear. Mind our mindless moments. Right? Uh, how much do we need to rest and veg as much as we do? Right? There's a place for rest. There's a place for recreation. Um, but I think a disciplined, a resolved learner uh, will want to take care that the spare moments in life are not simply always overtaken by mindless entertainment. David Mathis again said, there's a way to watch sports and television to the glory of God and with intentionality for learning to turn some of these moments, if not many, into opportunities to grow. It may not feel like much on any given day, but the payoff over the long haul is enormous. So again, these patterns that tend to really serve us over time and then give us the ability to be wise when we're old, Josh. I was just going to say, I often driving home from work when I was at an office was often the time that my, I guess my brain was processing a problem that I couldn't solve. And, and that's the moment when I came up with a solution, um, which is it's equally exciting and frustrating because I'm driving and I can't write it down. I can't do anything about it. Um, but I, I think there's, there's, there's something to that when, when you're not actively engaging something and you're allowing your brain to process that will do something else. Um, that can be helpful in advancing your learning. But I think to your point, not just, you know, six hours of Netflix in a day doesn't exactly do that for you. So. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, it, it may be not so much the I'm sitting on a couch and vegging, but it may be the drive home where we don't turn something on and we allow ourselves to think about a problem, pray for someone. I mean, silence and solitude, uh, I think, is a lesson we've already covered. So, um, yeah, all excellent. Um, Ephesians 5, 15, and 16 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Uh, next, we want to find out, I think, good again, secular understanding as well. Find a way to practice and apply what you're learning. Right? Talk to, explain what you're learning to someone else. If you can, if you can teach what you know to someone else. It always settles it in your own, your own mind better. Uh, again, just practical ideas. Um, stretch yourselves in those ways. Um, write things down. Journaling is next week's class, so I'll let Nick Naw cover that one. But, uh, but writing things down, I think it's been proven time and time again that you know, as we're taking notes, it sinks in. I know I have, uh, I have a tendency, if, I, if I'm able, I, if you borrow one of my books, you might hate it, but I write, I write in the margins, I underline things. And then if I have time after I read a really good book that I liked, I actually go, I have a little notebook, and I, I take the time to go back through every page and quickly write down the things I underlined. And so then I have this notebook that's maybe got 10 books worth of all the stuff I thought was the best. And sometimes when I travel, I just grab that notebook and go reread the book, but only the stuff I thought was really good. Uh, anyway, this is just all those nuggets can help uh, keep you motivated as well. Um, lastly, um, just the simple encouragement to take advantage of all the opportunities at your church. If it's this church, we have many. Um, 
We have this equipping hour. We have the main service. Uh, we have Sunday evening service, Tuesday, Thursday Bible studies, women's and men's studies, the Bible book camp talks, like I've mentioned. Um, I mean, we have a, we have a, I, I feel like I underutilize this, have a desire to utilize it more, but we have pastoral interns. We now have missions interns who are like reading and chewing and writing papers on all, all kinds of books that I'm sure we all would love to, to read, but they are right now. So maybe we can talk to them more, glean, glean things that they're learning. Um, and because they're reading so many at a time, they have the unique ability to look at you know, nine months from book one to book 100 and kind of see that whole space. And that, that's, that's just a different awareness than reading one book at a time. So take advantage of those things. Um, you know, email them. Hey, have lunch with them. Um, but those are just some thoughts. I'm sure there's, there's many more ideas of how to develop a pattern of lifelong learning and the resolve to do that. But uh, any other thoughts? Anyone has good ideas? Yeah. Um, just on a practical level, I found that I tended to be better at audio and so figuring out what are your niches, but also sometimes reading while listening, like reading through the Bible while someone's reading it out kind of reinforces things and kind of brings it in a double way. Um, so while it's being heard, you're yeah, looking reading at along. reading along. Yeah. 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 That wouldn't be multitasking while you're listening. To <laughs> Trying to learn two things at once. Um, yeah, and, and to that point too, to, I was just thinking that it, that meant you knew kind of how you were wired but one of the encouragements that I didn't mention in the book was take advantage of new media, which in essence is saying, you know, don't, don't get set in your ways, right? Because we've gone from radio, I wouldn't even know the order, right? Radio to eight track to cassette tapes to CDs to MP3s to streaming. Like those are all things that if, if we only never tried them because we didn't think we'd like them, might not, might not realize what they could give for us. So, um, well, I appreciate all the inputs. Um, so, in conclusion, with um, Don Whitney said, without the discipline of an intentional learner, not only will we fail to learn the things that promote godliness, but what we learn by accident will be of little or no real benefit. And I think that's that's kind of the main conviction I took as I prepared for the lesson: is just evaluating life, valuing the season that I'm in now, the excuse that I give to how busy we are right now to, to not be diligent with my time because I'm tired and I feel like I'm tired all the time and I certainly don't want to learn something when I'm tired. Um, so uh, that's been convicting for me. We must resolve to be lifelong learners and take advantage of each day to grow in grace. So any final questions, thoughts? There's a few lessons left. I think we have journaling, uh, perseverance in doing all of these things, and then there will uh, be a Q&A, I think, at the end. So roughly three, three, four more lessons. So I appreciate your attention, and we'll pray, and go get your kiddos or head upstairs. Lord, thank you for the time. Lord, thank you for all those in attendance. I thank you for all those who might uh, listen to the podcast, even as a source uh, of information and a source of learning. Uh, I pray that you would cause us to think about these things, that you would cause us 
to just treasure up knowledge, Lord, that we would not only acquire it, but we would seek it. And that in, in all the seeking, Lord, that, that we wouldn't be distracted from seeking uh, the real source of everything that we need to learn to facilitate godliness and holiness, Lord. And that would be Christ. That would be Jesus. For in him is all truth. I pray that you'd help us to see that. I pray that you'd help us to worship well as we go forward. We pray you'll bless the reading, uh, the singing, the praying, and the preaching of your word. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.